Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 15, and I am always am your host, Dan Brosman. It will not stop snowing here in the Midwest. I just ran out to, to go grab a, a drink down at the Shell Station, and God, it's snowing again. Every day here, it's snowing. I don't think there's been one day in the last two to three weeks where it hasn't snowed. And it is cold here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is cold. Like minus eight cold when I wake up to go into work in the morning. Crazy. It's the kind of cold that if you smile when you're outside, it hurts your teeth. Ugh. Hey, welcome to the Midwest. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, they pulled out a really convincing win in Super Bowl 51. 51? Is this 51? I don't know. Who cares? Um yeah. Yeah, I would have uh I would have bet the house on on the fact that the Chiefs would have won. Actually, I came close. I came close to to putting money down on on the Chiefs. Um jeez, you know, but you never know. That's why that's why I do what I do and they do what they do because I don't know nearly enough about football, obviously. But yeah, it wasn't that great of a game. If you guys all watched it, you know what I mean. Um I'm happy. I'm happy that Tom Brady won another one. I'm not one of those guys who's a a Tom Brady hater. I just I don't know. And I like to hate people. I'm a hater. At least that's what some people have told me. You know, I never got on that Tom Brady thing. I mean, I can't hate the guy for winning. I mean, pretty much what I'm saying is if I hated the guy, I would just be saying, well, I'm just sore ass because my team's not winning. Well, maybe if my team wasn't so bad, you know, I wouldn't have a reason to hate. Anyway, and then and then the fact that I'm not a big Bill, uh, Bill Belichick fan. So the fact that he won it without Bill makes me laugh I don't know it's just whatever but yeah I am happy that he won it um you know I seen a a documentary not too long ago about about him and it was I think it was a it was probably a like seven seven years ago maybe it was a little bit older of a documentary but you know he didn't necessarily have it easy coming up uh to where he is now he wasn't always you know the goat this guy, you know, kept having to prove himself over and over again. And finally, you know, he just took it and ran with it. You know, you can't be mad at a guy who, when he got the chance, he just took it and ran with it. I mean, we should only be so lucky in our lives. But, you know, congratulations. And, and you know, to all those Chiefs fans, you know, yeah, I... I can only imagine how much that sucks to watch your team lose, thinking that, you know, you guys are probably a shoe in to win it this year. But, you know, 
me being a Bears fan, I can't feel too sad for you because you're still coming back with a awesome team next year. Okay, we are not, <laughs> to say the least. One day, one day. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you though, people. Um, the Bears are looking at Carson Wentz, and that's going to turn it around. I won't be watching the Bears if they get Carson Wentz, but that's going to turn it around. It's time for a new new team for me to root for. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, there was an announcement from a new company, Pixel FX, and we're going to talk about what that announcement is. Um, we're also going to talk about something that kind of, kind of slipped past me and I don't know how I didn't see it right away, but, uh, uh, a death in the kind of video game community, which I, I, it, it happened in the beginning of January and I don't know how I missed it, but we're going to, we're going to talk about that person and, and kind of what it meant to me a little bit. Um, I want to talk about, uh, WandaVision. And uh, I don't know. It's so weird, but so kind of neat. Um, it's different. It's definitely different. But you know, uh, you have to really watch more than just two episodes to really be able to get into it. it, it it's a slow burn at the beginning for sure. But we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but. The first thing I want to talk about is a new company called Pixel FX has uh, come out saying that they are going to release something called the N64 Digital. And and I seen this, uh, I want to say one of the groups that I follow on Facebook uh, posted the tweet from this company. And, and I, I clicked on it and I was like, I don't know what this is. But right away, I kind of figured out what it was. And, and, and upon further look, it, it's an HDMI and RGB mod, which is great. And, you know, we had this conversation, I think it was a couple episodes ago, about the Warrior, that whole debacle that, that, that's kind of taken place with that thing. Supposedly being a mod kit, an RGB mod kit that, that really doesn't do what it says it's supposed to do. And if you know anything about the N64 and, and it playing HDMI as far as even mods go, you know, like the Ultra HDMI is the pinnacle. But not only is that really expensive, but you can't find it. it they're, they're never in stock. Never. I, I've never seen them in stock. So it's good that somebody else is taking the reins. And the guys taking the reins here are three guys that are really known in the modding community. And forgive me if I kind of get the names wrong here um, because I'm not big knowledgeable on the modding community. But it's Citrus 3000, Chris 2600, and Woozle 64. Okay, so their background here is pretty much um well well citrus and chris and i don't know their real names um i know one's jeff something or whatever but anyway 
these two guys are known for two other things that they have done, and that's the PS1 Digital and the DC Digital, which is for the Dreamcast. And of course, you know, PS1, uh, PlayStation, the first one. And basically, all these mods and, and what the N64 Digital look like is their HDMI mods that go right to the motherboard. You're taking the digital signal straight from the motherboard and pumping that out. And what that means is this is not going to be a DIY project for you to do. This is going to be something that you have to have somebody do that's knowledgeable. This is definitely not a first time uh, I'm going to try and go solder this thing because it it's going to probably be disastrous. And that was the that was the one thing that really really kind of hindered me from well not the only thing but the one one of the big things that hindered me from really looking hard at the HD of ultra HDMI was you know I don't know how to do this and who do I know that can do this do I want to send this away to somebody that I don't know and then the price comes into it and then it's like eh, okay but it never really mattered because, like I said, these things, those Ultra HDMI was never in stock. So this is cool. And the third guy in this is Woozle64. And his name is Stephen Williams. And what he's known for is the GBA Consolizer. And if you don't know what that is, about a year or two ago, he came out with the Consolizer. And what it is is they take the original version of the the Game Boy Advance, the one that had the colored screen, but it wasn't backlit. And they take that, the insides of it, and put it into this case that pretty much makes it able to play into your HDMI TV. It has HDMI out, and then on the front of it, it has a connection port for a Super Nintendo controller. Because basically, that's what the Game Boy Advance was, was for all intents and purposes, a Super Nintendo in your hands. And it's great. I, well, I mean, the Game Boy Advance. Now, I have not had any uh, experience with the Game Boy Advance consoleizer, but from what I've seen in reviews on YouTube and everything, uh, it's pretty great. I have not ever been quite interested in it because I have the uh, Game Boy add-on player to my GameCube and that goes out HDMI. But I, 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 I'm I, not going to say that I'm not interested in it on some level. And that's kind of uh, with all of these products, the, the PS1 digital, the DC digital, and the, you know, the GBA consoleizer. I don't have any experience with any of these things. But, you know, and, and I had to look the information up to really kind of talk about this. And I, I I was aware of these things. I just didn't have a lot of knowledge of it. Just because, you know, PS1, I think a lot of people with the PS1 are content with this, having it go through the PS2 or your PlayStation 3. That's how I played. I play, you know, the original PlayStation um, on my on my PS3. And that seems to work all right. But I wouldn't be opposed for getting something like this. But like I said, I'm I'm really hesitant in sending my consoles out 
to have something this major done to them and not maybe necessarily knowing the people. I don't really know anybody that that knows how to do this personally, but I'm sure if I really, really dug into this, um, I could figure out what to do or who to who to get a hold of. Okay, but anyway, so the N64 digital, and this is supposedly being launched, I want to say, I think I wrote it down here, mm, April, right? Huh, I know I wrote it down, but now it's not on here. It's April something, this year, April of this year. Yeah, I, evidently my notes have gone missing here. Anyway, uh, so yeah. It, wow, I mean that really it's funny that we're just hearing about this now. April isn't that far away. We're already, you know, pretty much halfway through February. So I'm really kind of curious to see what kind of levels of stock they're gonna have for this because everything this year, this past year, anything electronics, you know, because of COVID has just been hit or miss with what you're getting and on a timeline. I I really hesitate for anybody that's putting out anything as far as the electronic world to give you a timeline on when they think this is going to be done. I just, you might as just, we'll just say, you're going to get it when you're going to get it, folks. I mean, we we just, we got to cover our bases here to let you know that we're going to tell you in April, but boy, if it's not April, that's not going to be a surprise. At least to me, it wouldn't be. So you have these things coming out. And, you know, it kind of rolls into another thing that I have been uh, contemplating uh, and really taking an interest in lately, namely the last week or so. But there are other uh, ways to play your games out there. And, And by games, I mean the games that are disc based. And. My thing with collecting for disc-based systems is the fact that all of them have optical drives that are prone to failure. Anytime you get a machine that has moving parts in it, it's just a matter of time before that thing, that optical drive, stops working on it. Now you have, you know, your other systems that are cartridge-based that, you know, they're solid state pretty much systems where you don't have, you know, moving parts to break. Not that they can't break, but with optical drives, this can be a problem, especially with the consoles that are getting older, you know, namely like stuff like uh, the Sega Saturn. Well, the Sega Saturn is a big one because that's the one that I always hear come up in conversations about, uh, the drives not being that hardy, always breaking. You know, I had this one, this Sega Saturn that I barely touched. I put it away. It was working fine. I took it out of the closet, hooked up, and now it's not working. That's what I've heard. Now, I've had, I've said this before, and other people in the comments below have said, you know, well, you know, I have one and it's totally fine. Maybe, but I'm just saying what I've heard. In general, that's the one that always comes up. But, you know, PlayStation, that's, you know, getting old now. You have the Game Boy or the, the GameCube, the uh, Dreamcast, and, of course, like the Sega CD player. Although, you know, the Sega CD, I kind of put it into a different realm outside of this. But what I'm getting at here is there are a 
bunch of different products coming out now. And what they are is uh, disc emulation or emulators. And, you know, like Terra Onion has one for that works on either the Dreamcast or the Saturn. And they call that the mode. And it's the multi-optical disc emulator. And there are other ones that come to mind too. The namely the other big one is the one for the GameCube, and that's called the the GC loader. And that's the one I see like really making headlines nowadays. But what these things are, so here's here's what it is. So basically what you're doing is you are taking the optical drive out. So no more disc. You're not playing anything physical anymore. You're taking that out and attaching another uh, like circuit board to the main motherboard in your system. And on that board is a, uh, a port for the, the, the put in a um, micro SD card or a regular SD card size. And on, the, on that system you will have, on the cards, you will have your games on it. And that's what you play. So basically, you know, you're loading the ROMs on there to play through original hardware. So instead of an optical drive, you know, you're going through this other board. And, you know, at first, when this when I first started seeing this stuff come around, uh, you know, I was like, ah, you know, I that's not me. You know, I, I like collecting physical media. And, you know, I'm... I'm not going to get into this too too bad because I've gone on rants before about how I don't like digital. But here's the difference between this. Like when I say I don't like digital, I don't like like these digital stores, right? To where you buy the game and it you have it to play, but it's not necessarily yours. You don't have it backed up like the full game on like your hard drive here at home. Okay, so so at some point later on, when servers go down, that game's gone. You don't have that anymore. And that's kind of what I worry about. Because I know that when they say, people like to make the point to say, well, when you buy a game, it, it still doesn't belong to you. You're just buying a license to play that game. Yes, I know. I understand it. But at the same time, okay, when I buy a game, like when you buy a physical, any sort of physical media, a CD, uh, a Blu-ray, or a, a video game on a CD or a cart, you're looking at that as you own that ability to be able to play that whenever you want to. As long as you keep that in pristine order and whatever you need to play it on in pristine order. It's up to you, Okay. I don't like it now that it's up to somebody else, another entity to keep up servers outside of your control. And especially when they are charging full price for these these uh, digital downloads in many cases. That's kind of where I fall off on the modern uh, digital uh, gaming as it be. So anyway, getting back to the point I'm trying to make here is the one thing that's always concerned me going forward collecting for these optical drive systems is, you know, are these things going to last? 
are these things going to last? And it's not a huge concern, but it did get me started thinking about a week or two ago. It's like, well, you know what? Maybe I should be looking into one of these, you know, these disc emulators because it's kind of the best of both worlds there. No, you're not collecting a physical media, but you are playing it through original hardware. You're just, instead of it being delivered by an optical drive, it's being delivered via, you know, this other board with this uh, memory card attached to it. I'm sorry, guys. It's it's late. If I'm kind of... I'm buffering here a little bit to, to, to think of this. Anyway, um, yeah, so the more I see this, the more it's wildly uh, appealing to me. Now, on the flip side of that, um, well, not the flip side, but, you know, other things that I've been kind of messing around with or, or messing with the idea of is EverDrives. Because I was like, well, okay, now with if I'm willing to do that with the optical drives, maybe I, I, I should take a look at EverDrives. And I've kind of been thinking about that. I've kind of been thinking about building myself a mister, and that's FPGA, because I like the FPGA systems. I like keeping all this stuff future-proof. I'm not a CRT guy. I am not a CRT guy, Okay. You got to start looking towards the future because those things, those things aren't going to be around. You're already starting to hear people say it's getting harder and harder to find those things, which is a lot sooner than I was going to, I thought I'd hear. And I know people are going to, you know, fight me tooth and nail to convince me that CRTs are the way to go. I don't give a shit. I really don't. Okay. Stop trying to tell me that that's the best way to go. It's not the best way to go. It's a way to go. I'm looking towards the future. I'm looking and going, okay, look, when, why don't I just bypass trying to find, worry about where I'm going to find my next CRT when this one shits out and figure out, hey, going forward, these new TVs are how it's going to be going forward. How do I play my old school video games on this TV and have it be A, looking good and see the controls not being laggy is all hell. And FPGA seems to be the way to go and playing it on original hardware with HDMI converters, upscalers, and all that jazz. So anyway, I know I'm kind of ranting here, folks. But my point being is now with all these FPGA systems coming out, I started thinking about EverDrives because I'm like, well, what if I just get an EverDrive and then hook it up to my, you know, my retro AVS or, you know, my Super NTR, my, my Mega SG. And then I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I don't have to worry about, you know, finding these games and playing them. I can just download them. And I know that's not the way to go. I know there's legal, legal things that, that go along with that. Right or wrong, good or bad, right or wrong. It is what it is. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I don't mind, though, having all these options nowadays. I say go for it. If this is the way you want to go, 
I say go for it. There are so many different ways we can do this. And I know I've talked about this in the past that how great it is right now that so much of this stuff is being developed. You know, because as much as we want to think our community is a large community as far as like gaming and game collecting, it's in the big scheme of things, it's really not. And to have people actively developing stuff like what I was just talking about, actively developing, sorry, actively developing stuff like this is fantastic. I, 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 sometimes I just pinch myself because it's, I'm like, this is great. And I do worry. I'm like, well, when, you know, when is this, you know, I really hope the floor is not going to fall out of the whole retro gaming community here one day. But, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess I can't worry about, you know, what's going to happen in the future that I have no control over. But um, anyway, this whole little rambling thing I'm on here. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I'm really glad that, you know, they're coming out with another option for the N64 digital. And you know what? Maybe I will get have this done because more than any other thing out there, any other system, it seems like. For whatever reason, the N64 on the emulation side is really hard to do. I know that Hyperkin was in development for like the Ultra Hyperkin or I don't know, something, something that they were developing and it was going to be an emulator um, for your carts, your physical media. But you know that, and, and I've mentioned that before, but that doesn't seem to be really happening anytime soon. And all I hear is that N64 is just hard, hard to emulate. And I think it was hard to develop for as far as gamer uh, game developers go when it was when it was, you know, relevant and new when it, the system was actually just out. But I mean, I could be wrong on that. I mean, but that's just what I've heard. Um, and then, you know, that and that's a big reason why I don't think we've seen too much n64 emulation out there yet um so anyway uh you know uh it is a small community that uh we are we are part of here as far as gaming goes um you know a lot of these a lot of these people that are no longer with us uh some of them i have met and know a little bit uh, some of my I have never met but you know you you watch videos on YouTube and you watch enough of them and you you feel like you almost know that person sometimes um, and I am up to my eyeballs in YouTube on most days just like you know three-quarters of America right now and uh, I don't know what it was. One day, a couple years ago, I came across, uh, you know, you get these videos that are suggested to you, but it it, it was uh, the Tetris uh, Championships, which I think happens during the Portran, uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I could be wrong in that, but I think that's when it happens, at least the main one. And so I get one of these videos that come up that that's that has one of the the competitors on there, one of the matches, and it's 
a guy named Jonas Neubauer. And I can't remember who he played against, but it doesn't matter. And these guys, these guys are on a level that doesn't even come close to where I'm at. And what, by that, I mean light years ahead of me. I mean, crazy reflexes. How these guys play, I have no idea. But I, all of a sudden, I spent, you know, the next three hours just watching one after the other after the other and just going, I can't believe how good these guys are. Just throwing the hammer down. And they start these competitions. They don't start, you know, it going slow. They start on a higher level. And it's going fast right off the bat. And they're just tearing it up. And when they mess up, it's like, it's like it would be catastrophic for me. It would be like, this is the game that's over for me. And they're just like, eh, I got to clean this garbage up. And then they're out of it in like 30 seconds. It's crazy how good these guys are. It's really something neat to see, you know, because I, I, I don't consider myself a, a very good game player. But you have those people out there that just for whatever reason, whether it's been, you know, a lifetime of practicing and playing or they just have that natural ability that where they are more more apt to playing video games more so than others. And it was I I was really sad to see that Jonas Neubauer had passed away at the beginning of January. I think it was January 4th. Um, and Jonas was the pinnacle of champions when it came to Tetris. He, I believe, had uh, seven classic Tetris world championships under his belt, which, I mean, is crazy. And if you haven't seen this guy play, go on YouTube and type in Jonas Neubauer or Tetris Championships because just a phenomenal player. And it's really weird that when I found out about this because I hadn't watched his videos in maybe like a year and all of a sudden it was suggested to me again and then I fell right back into it where I watched all of them over again. And then I was on... I was on my computer searching for something else, you know, whatever. And it came up that he had passed away. And it it in it, it it was it was in the beginning of January. And I'm like, how did I miss this? And I guess the cause of death, it just said a sudden medical emergency. And he was only thirty nine years old. This guy is younger than I am. And it just I don't even know the guy, but my heart just sank because I was like, God, that's just horrible. And I just, I just want to send out a, a heartfelt, um, uh, the sympathies to his family. I know his uh, wife, Heather, Heather Ito. I think that's how you say your last name. Um, she's, she in her own right is a phenomenal Tetris player, and uh, I believe she is a Dr. Mario champion. Um, that's like that was, I think, her main her main cup of tea there. But just just horrible that 
that he passed away out of the blue. Um, and I guess that's all there is to really say about that. Um, you never know when the end's going to come. So, you know, people, you got to get out there and do what you want to do right now. You know, if you've got that one thing that you've been putting off that you really want to do, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, do it now because you never know. All right. Well, here's to you, Jonas Neubauer. Um, yeah, we're sorry that you're gone, buddy. Okay. Um, all right. So moving on to uh, something that's a little bit more more happy. Um, WandaVision. I am a huge Marvel fan. And I know I've said this a bunch of times, but I love Marvel. They got it right. They knew what they were doing. And it seems like they are continuing that trend. But from not on the big screen, but on... I guess the small screen, a show made for Disney Plus with episodes and the whole shebang. And, well, I guess I should say, right now, if you have not seen this or you haven't seen all the episodes and you are watching it, this is definitely going to be chocked full of spoilers, 100%. So right now would be a good time to stop listening. And... I thought I would never tell people to stop listening to this, but, you know, I don't want to ruin it for you because there are things that happen that that make this worth watching. And it's a slow burn. I said that at the beginning. This thing is definitely a slow burn. It is weird, but it's in that that kind of brings you in because you want to see, like, how this all turns out. So, basically, this is taking place... You know, after everybody comes back, after Thanos is destroyed, and now you're seeing kind of how the world has moved on a little bit in this little small area. Um, and it is, it follows a couple different people. I, I almost want to say, like, the Wanda Maximoff is the main character, her and Vision. And somehow... He is alive, and she has brought him back. And we're going to talk about kind of how she did that, even though we really aren't quite sure yet on how that is. So it starts off almost like an old-school TV show, like in the 50s, like a Leave it to Beaver or, uh, uh, you know, I Love Lucy. In black and white, but it's Vision, and it's her, and it's weird. And the whole time you're watching, especially this first episode, before you really get into it, you're going, you know, the whole episode's like that, and then it ends, and you're kind of like, okay, what am I watching here? <laughs> because this this is like, I guess this is cool and interesting, but odd. And then you watch the second episode, and it doesn't stay in the 50s. Now you're like in the 60s or the 70s, and you're thinking... Okay, and stuff's moving fast, and it's like, they are they aware of what's happening? Are they not aware of what's happening? Because they don't seem to be, but they kind of are. And it's just odd and interesting at the same time. So you have that side of the story, okay? And you have weird stuff 
happening in this. And and it's weird because like everybody in these towns, it's the same people, it's the same town, it's just in a different era. Every time they switch episodes, it's in a different era. But everybody in the town stays the same. Just their clothes, their hairstyle, everything changes. It's kind of cool, actually. It's it's it, it is kind of cool to see like how everybody goes through different eras and and how their looks change. So you have that side of the story, okay? But then eventually you get far enough into this to where you understand there's another side to this, another part that's going on in conjunction with with at the same time that everything inside the TV show is going on. And that's the real world. Everything outside of this town, okay? And that's where these other new characters, along with old characters, come into play. So one of the main characters that uh, that shows up now is, and I want to make sure I get her name right, is Monica Rambo. So Monica Rambo is the little girl uh, that was in uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was like her mom's best friend. And if you've seen Captain Marvel, you know what I'm talking about. But now she's all grown up. She's all grown up, and she's part of this organization called S.W.O.R.D. And from what I can gather, S.W.O.R.D. is pretty much what has taken over for what S.H.I.E.L.D. was. You know, it's a S.H.I.E.L.D.-like organization. We haven't really seen too much of what the organization is all about, but that's what it feels like. It's what took over, and it, it's kind of what came about after everybody came back, after the five years, when everybody was gone, when Thanos got rid of, like, half of everybody. So she was a part of that. Her mother was, uh, was like, one of the founders, and unfortunately, her mother got cancer and passed away while she was gone because she, uh, Monica, was one of the one of the half of the people that disappeared. And what is really neat is one of the episodes starts off by every showing everybody co- coming back. And you didn't see that in in Endgame when they got all the stones back, the Avengers got all the stones back, snapped everybody back into existence. So it sure shows her literally coming back into existence, like everybody, and like the scramble of like, and the the chaos of everybody all of a sudden coming back, which was really neat and really kind of eerie too at the same time. How how I mean, it how crazy would that be to have lost some loved ones, and then after just grieving and taking it really hard, all of a sudden them coming back. How crazy that would be, and what that would mean to the world as far as reincorporating all these people after the world had been for the last five years trying to figure out how to move on. And even one of the main uh, the actors here, and I can't think of his name too, but he's the head of S.W.O.R.D., the, the director of S.W.O.R.D., said, you know, you don't know what it was like, you know, in those five years, what we had to do to keep the lights on. And that's not really something that, was really talked about too much in Endgame because that wasn't, it wasn't really important. You know, it was, there was bigger, there was a bigger storyline that they were trying to tell. 
So you're you're kind of getting that in this show. And I hope I hope they kind of hit on that a little bit more, like what they had to do and what what the repercussions were. So anyway, so you have Vision and you have uh, Wanda in this TV show, and you find out that this is all happening in a town that didn't even exist until Wanda made it, because Monica Rambo is called out to investigate this going on and there it finds out that there's an alternate reality inside this that wanda is controlling so now she gets sucked into this and now sword comes out and they set up camp outside of there trying to figure out what the heck is going on here and in the process some of the people they bring in is fantastic and specifically i'm talking about uh the character darcy from uh, the Thor movies, who was the intern for, um, oh, what's her name? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. For uh, Natalie Portman's character. Well, whatever. But we know it was the, uh, the actor Kat Dennings, who is lovely. And now... She is not an intern anymore. She's an actual doctor. So she's moved on, which I think is great because she's gone. She's kind of come into her own as a character, which is fantastic that they brought her in. And she's the one that figures out, hey, you know what? This barrier that's surrounding this town is giving off this signal. And they're able to tap into that signal and watch this TV show going on, which is basically what's going on in this town. I mean, whoever thought it, whoever thought of this, is either crazy or a genius. Because I, I don't know. I don't know who sits around and figured this out how to come up with a show like this. But then you find out another thing that's kind of freaky is that all the people in this town, they're not. They weren't just made up by her. They're actual people, real people that she is kind of kidnapped. And is in their mind forcing them to do all this stuff. And they're aware of this. But they have no control over it. And these people uh, are kind of... Well, they're not kind of. They're really traumatized by this. Because Vision actually kind of got wise to it a little bit. And snapped one of them out of it. And into the regular personality. And the person's just freaking out. Because they're like... Oh my God, you got to get me out of this. It's just a living nightmare. And you start seeing this more and more as the show goes on. And it, it, it's, it's super eerie. And I, I don't know if Scarlet Witch is just messed up in the head because of everything that she went through with the Avengers as far as losing her brother, losing Vision, or... If there's something bigger at play here. And I, I, I kind of get the feeling that she's not acting on her own accord necessarily. I feel like there's something bigger at play here. But that's, that, I mean, it, it's just, it just keeps drawing you in. And, you, and at a certain point, I'd say about the third or fourth episode, you're locked in. And now you got to see how this ends. Because, yeah, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense, but you know eventually 
you see that that it's going to make sense eventually and it's going to be cool so you you just strap in and you're in for the ride so there are a couple things that surprised me well i guess there's one thing that really surprised me and at the not this last episode which is uh so i'm taping this on friday night so not this episode but the one before it it ends a certain way and it ends by her brother showing up right at the end now if you remember in uh the age of ultron the avengers that movie he got killed in sokovia ultron shot him down dead and that's quicksilver that the character's name is quicksilver but there was also the same character a different form of him in the x-men movies namely uh, i think he first came into the scene in uh the days past i think that was the movie they called when the wolverine went back in the not back into the future but back into the past to stop the future from happening with the sentinels and he was in that that character and then he was later on in another movie while he was in a couple other movies no he was in uh he was in the last x-men movie where it was apocalypse yeah x-men apocalypse sorry folks let me let me get a little drink here Mm-mm-mm. Okay, but that character was was different. Same character, but yet not. Because in the X Men, you know, his father ended up being Magneto. Okay, now Quicksilver in in the Avengers universe, he was from Sokovia. He was the twin brother of Wanda and they were the Maximoffs and like I said they were from Sokovia so he shows up here at the end she opens the door and there he is and which (laughs) it it was totally awesome I'm not gonna lie because I was like hey that's him and not him I'm like I'm like this is totally cool and I I had totally forgotten that that Disney had bought Fox and Fox had the rights to the X-Men because the X-Men, even though they were Marvel, they, those rights had been sold off and Fox had owned those rights for, for the X-Men. So they had some kind of crossover go here. Now, I don't know what the bigger plans, if there are any for that fitting in the X-Men into the Avengers universe somehow but I don't care for right now. It's totally cool. And this last episode that aired today, uh, February, it'd be the 12th. Um, he's in it. And you know, it's funny because she's kind of asking him questions cause she knows he's his, he's her brother, but he's not the same. And he's like, why are you keep testing me? And he, and she's like, well, I'm not, you know, and she's like, where's your accent? And he's like, where's yours? Which I love it because in Age of Ultron, she, you know, she had the accent, 
yeah, Elizabeth Olsen. And then, you know, going on to the other movies, they kind of figured, well, you know, you don't really do the accent all that well. So we're just kind of going to say that, you know, you don't have it anymore and not make a big deal out of it. But that's been one of the things that people have said in the past is like, hey, you know, Age of Ultron, she she had this accent and now she doesn't. So it was kind of funny that they they threw that in there to kind of kind of, you know, play do a little light humor on that which which i love so i know i I had just been doing a lot of rambling in this but uh yeah i mean so now it's getting real so for some reason she's gone psycho but i don't think it's her fault we're at the point now where vision has a good idea that shit is not right actually he knows shit's not right he knows these people are being held captive by her in this town and he tries to leave okay but he can't he he steps outside and he pretty much falls apart and that that kind of leads to the question of like well how did he come back because we find out that sword had his body after he had died and they were holding on to him because he had a will that said that he was not he didn't want to try and be put back together he didn't want to become somebody else's weapon she broke in took him made this town put him back together somehow now he doesn't have memories outside of this so he doesn't know that he was an avenger he doesn't have any memory before he was i guess revived he just knows that he's the husband of wanda so that's interesting here because it's it's vision but not vision so now we got to see what goes on with this because at the end of this last episode, you know, pretty much we're finding out that the director of Sword and forgive me for not remembering his name, but he's up to something. He's kind of up to something as far as the what's going on with Vision. There's there's a bigger plan that he's a part of, I think. Kind of sketchy. And the main characters like Cat Denning, the Darcy character, and Monica Rambo, and there was another main character, an FBI agent, which I, I, I fail to remember his name, but they all are on the outs now. They got rid of him. They said, you know what? You're you're not helping us here. You're a detriment to this operation. Get rid of him. And of course, obviously it takes them two seconds to get away from their from their guards, which always happens. And now now Wanda has increased the area to this town because she gets mad that, well, I think she got mad that, you know, Vision was trying to leave and show, she just expands this area, to an even bigger area, and pretty much takes over the whole uh, sword encampment. And it's funny because when, when like the outer perimeter starts expanding and it goes through the camp, it turns everything into a circus, <laughs> which is really it's funny as all hell because it shows like all of their buildings being turned into circus tents. A lot of the people, a lot of the sword agents, turning in to uh, turning into clowns and circus performers. Just whoever thought of this is brilliant, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So we're going to see what happens because there I know that there's going to be more 
mainstream characters brought into this. You, 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 I don't know, but you got that feeling. And on the flip side of this too, I have heard that what happens in this show is going to kind of lead in to what's going on in the next Doctor Strange movie, which I can't wait to come out because that first Doctor Strange was so good. I love that whole like universe that he's in, that whole mystical arts universe, and I'm just waiting for that second movie to come out. I can't wait. So we'll see. I have a feeling that that if that's true, that Doctor Strange, the second one, is closer to completion than... Um, than we realize. And I have a feeling why we haven't seen a trailer for that is because it might give away what happens in WandaVision. Now, I could be wrong about all this, but it's cool to to kind of contemplate this thing and kind of, you know, think talk about what you think is going to happen. You know, it's great. It's good TV. It's good TV, and I'm excited about all this. And, you know, so God knows um, I can never... I can never say I don't want too much good TV to watch because uh, anytime I get the excuse to sit down in front of the TV and sit my ass down in front there and just veg out, um, yeah, I'm not going to pass on that. All right, people. Well, I think that's where we're going to end it. Um, I hope I wasn't rambling too much this time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, guys, you know, there's a lot... For us to do out there. I mean, you got WandaVision, you got all this new video game stuff coming out. Um, you know, I didn't even talk about it. I was going to talk about it maybe next time, but you know, um, Limited Run Games has been knocking out of the ballpark. They got so much stuff that's coming out. They are burning a hole in my pocket like you can't believe. We're going to talk about that next time. Um, I've just been rambling so much, and uh, I, you know, I don't want to make this uh, this episode too long, so. But that'll be for next time. Limited run games, people. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to let you all do what you got to do. And I will see you later. Everybody, good night and goodbye. Take when you play.